My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. All right, welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. What book are we in? I forget. We're in Mark, yes. We're in Mark. That's right. Week 34 in Mark. Yes. I told somebody at work that the other day, and they're like, are you stuck? Or I was like, no, we're not. We're just patient. We're not in a hurry. It's okay. All right, I'll start this morning with the question we start with each week. Uh, What is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? What is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, ma'am. I was wondering when you're going to raise your hand because you obviously wanted to talk. So this is good. Your body. So just in case you're wondering, you you teach long enough, and teachers know when you have a question. We're just waiting to see if you have the courage to say it or not. So your body language changes, your eyes change. Your I mean, it's just anyway. Go ahead. There you go. <laughs> uh, no, thanks. <laughs> beautiful response. That might be my favorite one so far. It makes me want to look at more of the Bible. That's a good one, isn't it, Tisa? Yeah. Awesome. You walk with a group of men on Sunday mornings. Okay. 6 (laughs) a.m. That's awesome. What else? One more. Two more? Yes, Shelby. It is, yes. And God can use our distinctiveness, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. I, uh, I have found myself, um, somebody asked me a couple of months ago, it's a quite profound question, and I don't usually answer these very often. Uh, usually I just think about them for a couple of decades and just get frustrated and stop. But, uh, and they asked me, what is the purpose of you as the teacher in your class? And I was like, well, that's got some levels to it, right? So one, I want to hold up the scripture and say, this is truth, right? I want to encourage us, me included, Uh, to be faithful in uh, Bible study and reading and engaging with the text. I want to facilitate a culture in here of safety that we can not experiment with theology, but push up against each other and help each other. Um, 
And, but I kept coming back to, I'm trying to make the complicated simple. And I think I actually said that. I'm trying to, to make things as clear as I possibly can. And I am running headlong with the parables into that is not what Jesus is doing. It is just fundamentally not what he is about. Uh, his goal here was not to make the complicated simple. And uh, if you see it in any text, it'll be in today's text in Mark chapter 4. So let's jump in with that. And uh, with that as the backdrop, let's read Mark chapter 4. So verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables." so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, 
Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. And on that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I hope you still love the reading of God's word. Uh, Quick aside, do you read to your children the scripture? Does anybody read to their kids the scripture? This is good. It's a good, helpful thing to do. Miss Darla, what do you mean? Your kids don't live with you anymore. What in the world? You got that little grandbaby. Excellent. That is wonderful. Uh, Would anybody like a resource to be a better reader of God's Word out loud to your kids? Yep, I got one, I got two, I got three. Oh, I only have two, sorry. I thought I had three. All right, here's one. This is the second hand I saw. Um, So this is a... uh, There's a verse in the New Testament that talks about devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And I don't think we do. And for a very long time, I didn't. And I would get up and I would read the Bible, and it would be sloppy and haphazard and awkward and not good. And that little book provided me with a lot of exercises to practice and to try. And there's a DVD in the back of some people that will embarrass us with their dedication to the commitment to read the Scripture out loud in public. And uh, it has been a huge help for me. So try those out. Come back in a couple weeks. Tell me how it goes. And if it's really good, we'll get one for all the parents. Does that sound good? Cool. I don't know if Katie heard the assignment. You heard the assignment, though, Josh, right? Excellent. Okay, cool. Excellent. All right, moving right along. So Mark chapter 4. Now, your homework each week, flip over to the back side of your uh, handout for your homework. Our homework each week, every single week, is the exact same. And every couple of weeks, I'll add something to it or modify a little bit. But we had uh, pray for help in understanding Mark. Hear Mark multiple times. Think about Mark often, day and night. Talk with someone, dead or alive, about Mark. This is usually the one I get the most questions about. Right, Haley? And then share your insights about Mark and invite a member and non-member. And for each one of the first five homework items, if you want to know more about those, I taught an entire Sunday school lesson on each one of those back in uh, November and December of last year. So all that's out on uh, OurSundaySchool.com. But I did add a couple of items for today's Sunday school class. So... What items did I add for today's Sunday school? It's not on your handout, but uh, this was last week at the end of class. Yes, read this text in other Gospels. So is it, so first question, is it in other Gospels? Yes, good, because I'm, no, I probably am devious enough to do that. <clears throat> I was going to say, I wouldn't give you an assignment you couldn't do. Yeah, I probably would, actually. 
Maybe. And there was one other part. Read the sower in the other Gospels, and then what else? Yeah, find what Jesus... Like that, that, weird, that weirdly formatted part of verse 12. Look in your Bibles. Do you see verse 12? Is it this way on the little one? Please tell me it is. Please, please, please tell me it is. It is. Good. All right. This is one of the things I really enjoy about the ESV is that they will uh, format things a little bit differently so that we can pay attention to things that are a little bit different. Uh, So where was that text, Josh? Isaiah. Just somewhere in Isaiah. Isaiah is a big book, man. Just somewhere in Isaiah. Now you're reading off the handout, right? Excellent. Good. Give me that piece of paper. Yes. This is going on the video. (laughs) All right. So here's the homework from last week. And then two little asterisks. Asterisks? Asterisks? I don't know. Two little stars that uh, say this is the addendums. We'll use addendums. It'll make up for my inability to say the other word. Uh, addendums to the homework items and then the actual homework that was completed. So thank you. This is what your handout should look like. Uh, and I am toying with an idea right now. And I don't know that I like it because it, it's kind of different, but I'm toying with an idea of giving you next week's handout today. I don't have it today. This would be some concept in the future. Giving you next week's handout today so that you go home with all of the expanded stuff and can study that along with the text. And then when we come back, we all have a little bit better understanding of what's going on before we have the conversation in here. So put that in the back and think about that a little bit too. So there's that. So uh, today's text is present in two other Gospels then, right? What other Gospels are they in? Matthew and Luke, right? So let's go to Matthew chapter 13. And the the part of the parable that I'm going to focus on, since it's uh, corresponding to today's text, the purpose of the parables, is we're just going to read the kind of the purpose of the parable section in Matthew 13. So Matthew 13, starting verse 10 there. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Which is a that's a reasonable question, right? We've seen you do this a while. I have a question. Let's ask a question. And he answered them. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now, there's an interesting thing about what Jesus, his response here, because many times when someone, either outside the circle or inside the circle, asks Jesus a question, what does he respond with? A question. Does he respond with a question right off the bat here? No, there's a period at the end of the sentence, right? There's a difference to you. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why. Okay, so there are not a lot of places in the Bible where God is asked why, and he responds with, this is why. Okay, so this is, this is on the rarer side of the Q&A concepts in the Scripture. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. 
Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. So Jesus views what he is doing as a fulfillment of the Old Testament Isaiah's prophecy. Because remember, the Messiah has a lot to do. The Messiah does not just get to show up and be perfect and die and rise again. That is not the the Messiah has a lot of stuff to actually accomplish. It has to be uh, fulfill all the Old Testament prophecy that the Messiah is supposed to fulfill. And here's the sure. What did I say? I said Jesus feels that he's fulfilling? Oh my, that's awful. No. Jesus is fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's just let's just point it out, even even if I didn't say that, that would be awful to say. And if I did say it, oh my goodness, like you go spit that out of my mouth, right? That's got a bad taste. Jesus knows he is fulfilling props. Yes, excellent. And, and all right, so as you go through the Gospels, Jesus is parsing out uh, sometimes large and sometimes small fulfillments of prophecy and fulfillments of prophecy. He is walking the disciples through who he actually is and exposing them to, I'm the Messiah, don't miss it. Right? So this is one of those, I'm the Messiah, don't miss it. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, pause. Look at the volume of words in Mark that are in that funny little format. And look at the volume of words in Matthew that are in that funny little format. If you ever wanted, exhibit A for Mark is an abbreviated version of what is going on in the life of Jesus. Here you go. Jesus actually said more than Mark recorded. Does that make Mark a liar? No, no, no. Just makes Mark a writer who wrote less. It's okay, right? And I would argue that you could put up what Mark wrote next to what Matthew wrote, and you'd go, "Yeah, that works." So let's read what Mark wrote, what Matthew wrote. You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes that they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But true, but blessed are your eyes. So he's turning back to the disciples. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your, eye, your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So we are in the middle of a series on Sunday mornings uh, from the Sunday morning pulpit, that is about what? There's one word, it's about what? Heroes. heroes, right. And who are the heroes that we pick to talk about? Who have we picked so far? Vic Abel? <laughs> yes, we did pick Abel. And in case you're wondering who the critic was that texted Gary and told him that he spelled it wrong, hi, my name's Jim. <laughs> um, okay. We did Abel. We did who else? Enoch. And who's today? Joseph. Who's today at Sidey Daisy? You know it's okay to look ahead to next week's sermon? Because sometimes you see it at Sidey Daisy. So there you go. What do you mean I can't say that about Rachel? I know that about it. That's fine. She still looked ahead, right? It's all right. She did the, she did the objective. It's okay. 
So who do we pick out of Hebrews 11? Who do we pick out of Hebrews 11? We pick all the people with names, right? Are there, are there people with, without names in Hebrews 11? Yes, who are they? Yeah, the others. And yet others who had this and this. And, and their stories are, you're like, mm, I don't know that we want to teach that lesson in Sunday school. Because it gets really hard. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins. It's because this was a form of torture. The Romans were exceedingly efficient at this. They would get a sheepskin or a goatskin wet, and they would wrap it around and bind it up uh, around someone, and then they would let them loose in the desert. And as it dried, it would shrink, and you would suffocate to death. This was not a pleasant way to go out. This was really, really horrible. And the reality is, at the end of Hebrews, they all have the same promise, that Jesus is enough, that the Messiah is sufficient, that God has a plan, He is executing it flawlessly, and it is okay. And in verse 17 of Matthew 13, it says, For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people, these are the others, long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So there's something special about this group that Jesus has talked to. And then this text shows up in one other place. Where else? Luke. Is Luke here this morning? He's not? Oh, man. Sorry. I was going to let him read this text. Luke 8. And we'll just go 9 and 10 here. Now, who, what gospel writer generally has the most detail? Luke, yes. So let's, let's compare that real quick. So verse 9 in chapter 8, And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. <gasps> I'll let you know the secret. The generalizations that we make about the Gospels are generalizations. They're not always exact, right? Because there's spots where Luke is actually the shortest. It's okay. And there's spots where Luke is the longest. There's a lot of spots where Luke is the longest. And there's a lot of spots where Mark is the shortest. But it's not always the case. So what are they quoting here, Josh? Isaiah. Slip over to Isaiah. So I am intentionally doing something because I want you to see the order because I think the order matters. We do reading before we do studying. You stare at the text before we think too much about it. We get the text in us first. So this is Isaiah chapter 6. So we'll start with verse 1, just kind of get some context in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This might sound familiar to some of you. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. Where are they? And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Does that sound like a popular message to go and take to people? Are you just thrilled to go like, let's go see these words? Probably not, right? And this response is a really great one. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. And some of you right now are coming to the realization of why I have never taught through Isaiah. It is super hard. So, let's go back to Mark. Let's look at the words. So, bottom of page 106 of your handout. There's something sick deep in my heart that enjoys saying one of page 106 of your handout, so just saying. So verse 10 there, and when he was alone, who's he? And what does it say? He was what? He was alone. And what's the next phrase say? Those around him. <laughs> You're like, but... That doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like alone. All right. Compared to the text right before, he's alone, right? Relatively speaking to the crowd size that we're talking about, he's alone. So those around him with, so go to the next page on your handout, with the 12. So is it just the disciples or is it more? There's some other people there too, right? The, the longer, if you just read through the New Testament and read through the New Testament and read and specifically the Gospels, you'll notice that there are, there are super small groups around Jesus and then there's another group that's a little bit larger and this other group that kind of, it, it comes and it goes and then there's like really big group of a hundred and so and they kind of come and go and then there's the crowds. So there's all these different levels of folks around him and this is kind of the, really the third level. So because you have the inner three um, uh, disciples, any of the twelve, and then there's these others that kind of float in and out. So the twelve asked, this is the imperfect, so this is something that's been done uh, before, this is uh, normal for them. Uh, we're going to skip through the 726 and the 85 because it, it's just a different way of looking at asks. Uh, they asked him about the parables. Now, if you have, for the first time in your life, heard this parable of the seed uh, or of the sower, uh, or of the grain, however you want to title it, would you have some questions about this? Because remember, he has, has, he, has he given the explanation of it yet? No, he has not. So this is an opportunity, like, Rabbi, I have some questions. Good, all right. Verse 11. And he said to them, 
to you it has been given. <clears throat> so this is uh, the perfect. So it's something, action that's completed in the past. Passive. So did the, did the them take it or was it given to them? It was given to them, right? Because you can't take this on your own. Some of you are going to start to get angry with me here in a minute. To you has been given the secret. And I have highlighted 4.11. It's the only time this word shows up in uh, the Gospel of Mark. This is a mystery, other translations might say. The mystery of the kingdom of God. And, And it is mysterious. It is a bit of a secret because it's hard to explain. What does Jesus use to explain it? Parables, right? All these parables. Because... Because a direct, explicit description, that wasn't the right way to do it. How do I know it wasn't the right way to do it? Because it wasn't what Jesus did. When you get your Christology straight, you don't have to explain large portions of the Bible. It's a whole lot easier that way. So he says to them, uh, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, I have highlighted the word outside. Uh, look at verse 31 of Mark chapter 3. Remember I told you we were going to come back to this inside, outside, inside, outside. In, this is something that you'll see a lot as you go through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, 3.31, And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. So where was he? He was inside. And a crowd was sitting around him. Where were they? Inside. And they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, where are they? Inside. He said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. The inside, the close to Jesus, is part of the family. The outside is not part of the family. Verse 11, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, look at uh, Mark 14, 68. This is the last time it's used. Now remember, who do we think we got, who do we think helped Mark with Mark? Peter, right? Because they were hanging out toward the end of... uh, couple decades after Jesus' resurrection. And the last time this word is used in uh, Mark, the start with verse 66, and Peter was below in the courtyard, and one of the servant girls of the high priest came. You see where this is going. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. Peter started acting like an unbeliever. And where did he go when he did? He went outside. Because there's this inside-outside motif all the way through, Mark. And it is really interesting to watch. You notice who's on the inside and who's on the outside, and it'll help you navigate through who's with him and who's not with him, who's behaving rightly, who's not behaving rightly. It's a really helpful literary technique that Mark just throws in there that Mark didn't throw in there. The Holy Spirit put there. Sorry you got to help me, Shelby. Don't let me say things like that, okay? Keep after me here. This is good for me. All right, so but for those outside, I'm back in 411, everything. So how much is everything? 
All of it, yes. It's all of it. I literally highlighted the word all. Is, and this is a present indicative, so this is current right now, it's a statement of fact, in parables. For those outside, everything is in parables. So if everything is in parables for those outside, is that going to help them understand it? What's it going to do? And what are some of them going to do? That's right. Those who are genuinely interested in the message are going to go, help, 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 help. And those who are not are going to go, see, he's crazy. He's crazy. We came out to here to see some crazy person, see what everybody's getting stirred up about, and he's crazy. Everything is in parables. Verse 12, so that. Now, the top of page 108 in your handout, I have done something that I rarely do because I wanted you to see the the way this is formatted. So you've got three lines here, right? That they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. All right. That next paragraph down, that they may indeed see. You see the G991? Okay, that's the Greek word blepo. It's a verb there. What's the very next Greek word? Blepo, right. It's the same word twice in a row. It's spelled just a little bit different. Now, you can't see it here because this is the generic base root word of the spelling. But if you looked at the Greek New Testament, the last couple of letters would be spelled just a little bit differently. Because one of them is a present active participle. So seeing, they regularly see. And then the next word is present active subjunctive. There's a possibility, but not perceiving. This is an active subjunctive. So there, there's active, active, active. Do you see that? There's active work on the part of the hearer, on the part of the seer. Active, active, active. These are people that are making effort here. Okay, next line. And may indeed hear. You see G191, akuo. What's the next Greek word? Akuo, right? You got two Greek words. Uh, they spelled, they're spelled uh, shockingly similar because one is a present active participle, one is a present active subjunctive. Do you see a pattern here? That the blepo was a present active participle first and then a present active subjunctive. So is the akuo, the present active participle, present active subjunctive. So that hearing, they may hear, but not understand. It's a present active, another active subjunctive. So do we have actives here? Are we good on the active? We're good on the active? We're good on the active? These are active listeners. These are active hearers, right? Lest they should turn. So you've got another active, and this is the possibility, the subjunctive. So let's look at 530, Mark 530. David, I do it in my notes too. Do you see it? I just put the 530. Yeah. It saves a ton of space. So Mark 530, this word shows up again. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? So would everybody agree that this is a physical, like, you, we're, just, we're just turning here, right? This is not a, does this feel like a supernatural turn? No, not really. I mean, he's just, he's just turned around. Okay, great. Uh, Mark 8.33. Uh, 
always bad advice, verse 32, and he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Just don't do that, right? Uh, But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See the word turning again there? He's, He's turning away from Peter, turning back to everybody. Great. Let's look at verse 12 again here in Mark chapter 4. Lest they should turn, this is a turning, and should be for, and be forgiven. So what is different about the verb for be forgiven than in all the other verbs here so far? It's passive, right? You know why it's passive? Say it again. Yeah, something done to you, right? I can't forgive myself. I can't. It's not how this works. Because I have no inherent righteousness in me. I have no righteousness that I can grant myself. If I had righteousness that I could grant myself, I wouldn't need forgiveness because I was already righteous. I need somebody else's righteousness. I need Jesus' righteousness. And this is what happens when sinners turn and place faith in the Messiah. They are then granted righteousness. Now, I'll tell you one more thing about this word for forgiven. It's the lousiest definition that Strong's has in his entire concordance. Because it says to send forth. It means a lot more than to send forth. It's a really complex, really interesting word. We've already seen it like four or five times in the Gospel of Mark. And more than half of those directly says to be forgiven. To be forgiven is a really good translation of this word. So let's read the whole thing all the way through. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may see but not perceive, they may hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And on that, we're going to end today's lesson. And I hope that I have not answered your questions. I have tried to very very specifically not answer questions today about this particular text because I want us to think about it. But I wanted us to have all the stuff that we needed to think about before we go thinking about it. Because you get a little bit from Mark, you get a little bit from Matthew, you get a little bit from Luke, you get a lot from Isaiah's over here. You get a little bit from Isaiah and now we've got enough to think about the whole thing. So that's your extra homework assignment, your addendum this week, Josh, your little asterisk. Is it asterisk or asterisk? Isk, asterisk. It just sounds wrong, you know? I just, that's why I say it wrong, probably. That's your asterisk. I still can't do it. Nope. It's your star at the bottom down there. Go think more about uh, 10 through 12. Because if we get 10 through 12 even remotely close to being right, the rest of these parables are going to freak us out a little bit less. So, this is going to help. And it's going to make 33 and 34 a whole lot more straightforward. So, with that... uh, You should have a weekly update on your table. And uh, there's tons of prayer requests on here. So please uh, pray for these. Make any updates that you need to. Lean in, engage, pray over those. When you're done praying over those, you are dismissed to go and to worship this one who has the righteousness that he can then give to others.
who will turn and repent of their sin and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, And it is a beautiful thing. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.